You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Welcome to Elsner's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott, my inimitable co-host. And before we get started, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com. And as a warning, on Elsner's, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things, and we will swear liberally. You have been warned. Corey, how you doing? Uh, my pipes are clogged, and uh, also my house is having issues with its plumbing too. Honestly, I'm right there with you, like because my throat is just like as you'll sound like this in the winter months. My throat, you know, just sounds like you know, it sounds like I'm like got something in the back of my mouth, and it's, it's just like I just can't swallow. And it's true, it's it, but it's it's not. So yeah, it it it's it's rough. Uh, Aaron's been sick the last couple of days, and uh, I I've kind of felt a, a tingling of something going wrong, but I don't know. It it's it, you fight with, with this season. Right now we're we're going through a little bit of a rainy patch here, which is good uh, because it's also cold, and we're turning on the heater, and you have to yeah. adjust for the the heater dries everything out. Uh, which California is normally pretty dry anyways. And so then you use humidifiers and stuff to get the moisture back up. And then the humidifiers cause you to get lung infections because they're overcomplicating everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a good round bit of fun. Well, with me, it's actually different because this house is 20... Hold my twenty twenty six years old. It's with this remodel and the like the remodel that Grappa did, and um, the windows. So behind me, you see the curtain. Underneath the windows, there are there are small little leaks, and my bed happens to be underneath one the other window in this room. Yep. So this this morning, I woke up and like was half asleep, but I just heard myself. <sighs> Like, but, but it's more like the gasping for air, like, all right, he's about to need a CPAP machine sort of thing. Uh, I have the CPAP machine, and it makes yeah. a huge difference. Uh, but my last home in Michigan before I moved out to California, uh, staying at my, my mom and stepfather's place uh, that they lived in in Canton, the basement would take on water sometimes it's like there was leaks that it would just seep up in and so sometimes i get out of bed in the morning and i would have to wade over to my dresser to get clean socks and whatever (laughs) uh and and we had a a industrial strength dehumidifier that would mostly clear that stuff up and i'd always be taking the big jug over to the i do this now in the uh in the server room at work actually i have a, a dehumidifier in there because the roof is just now getting replaced, but there's been a few times when it's rained and water has kind of like hit the hallway. We protect above all the server equipment, um, but if it's enough in the hallway that it'll start seeping into the doorway for the the server room. Uh, so I've got the the humidifier dehumidifier in there, and people see me walking through the hallway with my bucket, which I've named Charlie. <laughs> yeah, my my grandma she's got a dehumidifier for uh, her basement because she's been trying to do but 
with her, she actually she got the one where you can attach the hose and put that to a drain and stuff like that. And yeah. so that's what I did. But she found that it was costing her too damn much money. So she only runs it like twice a week or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, it, you it, it's when you literally have to swim. That's when you decide to turn on. the <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's here. Let's, let's get to the news here for the week. And the first bit of news is that Harley Quinn is getting her own adult animated series. Now, this is not to be confused with, like, you know, only found on Pornhub or anything like that. It is, you know, more like think adult swim. Pretty not... sure Pornhub already has Harley Quinn adult content. <laughs> but those that's not officially stuff stuff. Yeah, I'd, and I and I'm guessing, but I, I still remember the Batman uh porn parody from a few years ago, which was so epically good in the the costuming and the person who played the Joker actually had a mustache and um, <laughs> did his face white over the mustache like Cesar Romero did on the Batman and anim- or not animated of the Batman series from 1966, the Adam West Burt Ward series. Like it was phenomenal. And if you if you had the DVD, you could actually play the whole thing clean. Uh, so you didn't have to see the adult parts, but I I downloaded it and watched it with friends over at their house. And uh, like most things of pornographies, uh, I I. I I couldn't really take it. It really freaks me out, man. <laughs> like I'm yeah, not a modern so, day porn watcher. I just can't do it. So I believe the, and actually it is the one that you're referring to is one that is done by Axel Braun. These are yes. ones that actually make mainstream news. And he does have, you know what? 215 credits as a director on IMDb, but with, because they get so, so accurate with the representation, like, you know, you even go back to um, like they did X-Men. But it was it's always like you know X Men Triple X or Iron Man Triple X, an Axel Braun parody, and stuff like that. But they always you know the costumes are always spot on for these type of characters. It's just you then have oh well, what's this now? Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike are gonna have sex and stuff like that. Yeah, it, like I said, it, I know. I know that I my I I have too tender a constitution to to watch that stuff. I was just super impressed because it was at at the time it was like the big breakout uh parody uh adult film and because they put such an effort into it and and it makes sense that he continues on and keeps doing more stuff like that. I just don't know if anything's going to equal uh the the impact. Oh god. None of this sounds right. Anyway, so <laughs> Harley Quinn is getting a getting an animated series now you say adult animated series so you mean that it's not going to be on on disney xd it's not going to be on cartoon network or or if anything it would be on adult swim yeah or is it going to be like the stripperella series that pam anderson and stan lee did together or stripperella um, is that what it was yeah yeah, stripperella um but so this this is coming from deadline and the this is going to go directly to Warner Brothers' upcoming, the DC-branded uh, direct-to-consumer digital platform. They ordered 26 episodes of a half-hour adult adult animated action comedy series from the executive producers of Powerless, Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher, and uh, Dean Laurie via Warner Brothers Animation. The other cool part with this is they're... So I'm trying not to look too deep into this, but... 
they are getting Margot. They're wanting to get Margot Robbie to do the voice and all that. Uh, catch her in a contract while you can, because Margot Robbie is definitely blowing up right now. She is a hot commodity in Hollywood, and deservedly so. I, I even with the naysayers of of Suicide Squad and and everything, she was herself quite good in it. Uh, yeah. In a part, was it was it necessarily Harley Quinn as as some of us purists might see the character? Not necessarily, but it was still a very good portrayal of an interesting character up on the screen. Um, in a not necessarily as interesting movie, but yeah, and and you look at the things like she's playing Tanya Harding in that film coming up pretty soon uh she was in the the wolves of wall street which is i think where people first really recognize her from if you can get her to do the voice for this that would be amazing and the other the other part with this because this every streaming service has has a big hurdle for me and that is they have to have enough stuff that i can't get where i'm currently at with hulu netflix amazon prime WWE Network to justify adding to YouTube Red, if I didn't mention that one, um, to add to this. This is starting to do that. I mean, they already have, this is the same platform that's going to have uh, Young Justice Season 3. Um, I think, I forget what they called, have the subtitle for it. Um, they're, and then they're going to have the live action uh, Titans from Greg Berlanti, um, Akiva Goldsman, Jeff John, Sarah Schechter, and all that. So this is where they're starting to get enough of the stuff here that it's like, all right, I might, you know, have to check it out. Now, there's there's a couple caveats for me. One is that I already am not watching the CW shows, which are available to me for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Berlantiverse extending into, even if it's not considered the Berlantiverse, but the same people doing those shows doing a show in this network, even though it's the Titans, you know, and, and Dick Grayson, as I've said many times, is one of my two favorite comic book characters of all time. I don't know if that's compelling. Uh, DC's animated stuff for me the last several years has not been something that warranted much of my attention. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would say that the last Harley Quinn animated film that came out just recently was considered kind of an adult take on Harley Quinn, considering the fact that she it's not exactly against his consent, but did take advantage of a tied up Nightwing on her bed uh, in a hookup that never seen in the comics. Yeah. Uh, and, and just seems to be the tone that they've taken with these movies. Uh, hey, I want to be Batgirl. Oh, really? You want to fight crime? No, really? I want to bone down with Batman. Uh, that's my motivations as a female character in this universe. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not jumping them down. And and while Young Justice seemed like a cool show, I didn't really keep up with it. It's one of those things that I probably would like to get back to and watch. It, at the time that it was on the CW, I just I didn't have the drive to watch a a Saturday morning cartoon at that point. But seeing the first two seasons available on Netflix every once in a while, I think, oh yeah, I should. I should check this out. One of my best friends is is really into the show, and so I'm excited for him that at least that it's coming back, and it looks yeah. good. 
but it it is a now these are three different universes of DC characters and and that's all we're we're hearing so far about the the WB streaming service or the DC streaming service is is this kind of stuff I think that there are certainly fans that I could see could be compelled to join up for for those examples alone but the non DC superhero fans like what is going to compel them to want to join this service and think, and then stay with this service I think part of it might be some of the back catalog stuff so what I like stuff that I could easily see them doing is you know Batman the animated series Justice League um you know Young Justice Justice League Unlimited all this stuff even some of the newer stuff like like they do a similar to like Hulu where they have for Teen Titans Go and Justice League Action they do up to the so they have everything up b- up b- 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 behind the current season for Teen Titans Go and uh Justice League Action on this thing that could be enough to get a lot of people going there especially for parents who have who have kids who you know love seeing these shows and just want to watch them all the time but you know they're wanting to cut cut the cord and or it's a time when you know teen titans go isn't on isn't on on cartoon network and those rare three hours in a week (laughs) the 15 minutes of the the month uh yeah and and again it just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's not for somebody I just oh, yeah. I have to look at it from the point of view of but is it going to gather a wide enough audience that when we're hearing about the Disney streaming service and you see what Disney is bringing to the table with a Star Wars show with a new live action Marvel superhero show and and the other things Pixar stuff that seems like it hits such a widespread that it's going to compel a lot of people to sign up for it because they just they own too many goddamn properties and 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 if you follow it even further it seems like oh yeah remember how in the 80s we had you don't but we had young indiana (laughs) jones we could have a new indiana jones tv series uh because harrison ford's not gonna make many more of those pictures uh and and after number four he probably shouldn't (laughs) that's just that's just realistic so i do have to say that when you're looking at what it takes to break into this uh with the the services that we've seen come and go so quickly in some cases and you see services that are still struggling that shouldn't be struggling that bad but are still struggling to make the impact of like how do we compete with netflix amazon losing the star of what is essentially probably their most talked about show uh, in Transparent. Uh, it's been announced that Jeffrey Tambor is, is leaving the show because, oh, wow. of, because of the controversy and stuff right now. If Amazon is having problems still, and they've been in this game for a while, and it comes as part of your Prime membership, which everybody should have anyways, if Hulu is still struggling to break free from, oh, it's just where you watch TV if you don't have TV service, uh, but it's not bringing us anything new, then yeah, it's it's a question of, can these other people 
do something that's also going to be compelling and and make that happen we so, I was, honestly, did i did i say this before i was talking to a friend at work about the new blade runner movie and he's like did you go see the new blade runner movie i'm like i don't give a shit about the first blade runner movie uh second of all the, the new blade runner movie is a fucking three-hour film like i am 46 years old i can sit and pee for three hours straight i can't not pee <laughs> For three hours straight that's i do not have that capability anymore in my life <laughs> but yeah so i i honestly wonder because of the fact that you know if if you know we we see that hulu and amazon and netflix are struggling and they have licenses for a whole bunch of tv shows and content out there that's that they're not making then what does it or what does DC have to do or Warner Brothers have to do with just DC. Now, I honestly, I see this going along the ways of the, um, of like Comic-Con HQ would do, or even, you know, HBO Showtime, um, where they will see a lot of their subscriptions come from Amazon as a part of like the Amazon channels that they have. Yeah, it becomes an Amazon channel. I was just thinking the same thing. Or it becomes, or it, hopefully it, actually, I, I'd be torn on it. Um, it could also go the other way of Comic-Con HQ and where it's like, oh, we're going to do it for free on the Roku. And uh, right. so you download the app and it's, you know, all the stuff is there. Well, and see, that's the difference of being a channel versus being just making content for Amazon or making content for, for Netflix. Because then you can be in multiple places and you can be kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, TBS and I'm on Comcast but I'm also on DirecTV and I'm also on Dish Network uh, so I'm available to more viewers that way and I'm not tied down to any one specific service which is potentially great it, and it it means that you if, if Amazon suddenly goes away but you can still make your content available through wherever else then then you're not screwed but if you're making a show strictly for Hulu and then Hulu just bellies up tomorrow. It's like, well, we don't lose that show by doing this, but it is still a, it's the same thing as cable at that point. It gets to be that if Amazon has channels, then it's, you start to pay for all the extra stuff like you would pay for it on TV and, and through your Comcast subscription or through your direct TV subscription. And it's at least you get to pick and choose your channels that way. As while the cost starts to offset and you wind up spending just as much as you were before as a cord cutter uh, to to not have that one subscription. So do you chase the channels around? The the whole thing that sets the, the difference is the on-demand portion of it. It's when yeah. I sign up for Netflix, I get access to all the things that Netflix has in their own box um, at any point in time. So if I only subscribe to Netflix for three months out of the year, but in those three months, it's like I can watch all of Stranger Things and I can watch all of Orange is the New Black or whatever else. That seems great. Uh, one of the things that pulls me back from a Hulu thing is like I will probably sign up for the 30 day free trial for Hulu at the end of the Runaways season. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can watch them all at once because I don't know that they're releasing all the episodes at the same time like what Netflix does. No. So actually, as a quick little side note 
but I saw an article that said actually how, um, and it was from comicbook.com going, how will, how can you watch the runways if you're in Canada? So this goes for, you know, half of our the Galactic Network family. And it is airing on, the, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the, of the net of the channel up there, but it's the same channel that Supergirl airs on up there. So it's, it is going to be, they're doing the first week and this might just be on there. I don't know if it's on th- both them and Hulu or what, but they're doing the first two episodes um, released, you know, for the premiere and then one episode each and every week for, for runaways. So, you know, that should help out a little bit. Meanwhile, Harley Quinn with an animated series. That's cool. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, that's it, potentially. One of the things I would like to see is like, as a consultant or someone would probably be Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Because I would what I would look one of the things I would love to see is the interaction that Harley has, especially in the comics right now, with Poison Ivy and with um actually because if they said it in, you know, Coney Island like she is right now, her other boyfriend or her boyfriend um that was in the witness protection program and all that stuff. And that, you know, love triangle, or actually no, triangle's not the right word, uh, love right angle, because Ivy and, uh, I think it's his name's Malcolm or something like that, they they don't hate each other, but they're not in love with each other. They're in love with Harley and all that. So it's, I call it a love right angle. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves Harley. And it, it does seem like they would have a lot to draw from with, uh, jimmy and amanda have been doing with uh with the book although i as i understand it i think they're leaving the title uh coming up or maybe already have so and and jimmy's made statements before that even if they they do take from what they've done the comics they're not getting the earnings from it that they do from their own creator own stuff and so he he said you know it makes more sense for me to focus on work where i can get the long-term benefits than than the company that I work for getting it, Uh, which is not saying that he's giving up on company work, but when he has the potential of doing a painkiller Jane stuff or, or something along those lines, uh, then it makes, it makes more sense for him to focus on those things. Yeah. So I got a question for you, Corey, as a comic book guy or, you know, lifelong comic book fan, when a publisher announces that they've canceled a book, does it necessarily mean that it's canceled? <sighs> What's more frustrating is when a publisher doesn't cancel a book and just keeps s- stretching the the release date over and over and over again. So you as a retailer have, have, have invested in this book. It, it, you're charged in such a weird state for for the comics that you order as a comic book retailer because you have to figure out what the shipping is going to be when the stuff is supposed to come. And then if it doesn't show up, uh, you're missing titles for that week. You you have things that you're re- you're counting on to make sales to your customers. And then that stuff doesn't come in and your customer's like, well, what happened to blah, blah, blah? And I came in to get that. Well, it, it hasn't shown up yet. Well, when's it showing up? I unfortunately don't know because 
such and such company won't tell me. They they said it was coming out this date, and then they said it was coming out this date, and now it's been pushed back to February answer and uh, and Ape Not, and and I don't know. I have no clue. So so well, here, I'd rather me, they cancel a book than just so, keep well, well, let, this let original ask, live. Let me ask you this because I'm saying this as a way to segue into our next story. Because you might have seen in the news that Marvel has canceled Powers Number Nine and United States of Murder Inc. Annual Number One. Now, what do those books have in common? They are both notoriously late already. <laughs> <laughs> but why are they usually notoriously late already? Because the creators behind them are liars. They are filthy, filthy liars, <laughs> and that is that is the common thread. Is that they are yeah. both books uh, created by uh, Brian Michael Bendis uh, and partners? Yes, for Marvel's once existing icon line, which I don't believe exists anymore, and has pretty much just been a farce for the last several years, anyways, yeah. because they created it to appease Bendis and Mark Miller. And when Mark Miller stopped working at Marvel, his stuff stopped coming out at Icon, and now the Bendis is leaving uh, Marvel. This stuff isn't coming out anymore either. Well, the last one that I knew of that was actually at Marvel, you know, in, in the Icon line, was it Empress? I think I think it was yeah. the Scott Snyder book that he was doing. Or no, 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 no. Scott started the Stuart Stuart Eminem book. Empress was Mark Miller and Stuart Eminem. Yeah, Kabuki was coming out at Icon for a brief period of time, but Kabuki was a creator-owned book before. Men of Wrath miniseries by Jason Aaron. But most of the stuff has had Brian Michael Bendis stamped on it. Yeah. So the big news, because as we said last week, he has signed a deal with DC. Um, He has signed a multi-year, multifaceted, exclusive deal with DC in 2018. You know, starting in 2018. So Marvel has canceled these two books. Now, now... Bendis tweeted, if a book is pulled, or I guess directed towards the media, if a book is pulled from the publisher by the author for a new er, for a new publisher, it is not canceled so much as it is switching publishers. Not as sexy a clickbait headline, but whatever, huge Jinx World news coming very soon. But that's exactly my point, though, is that yeah. these books have been solicited, I can't recall how long ago, and have been on a... a to use a gentle, kind version of the term, sporadic schedule since they came out, uh, since the beginning of, of them. And and all of Bendis's projects over there have. Most of his stuff has never been finished. It, it's like waiting for Kevin Smith to finish his Daredevil bullseye story that he was doing for the Ultimate Universe at one point. It, it just... So you're saying now you're going to get these done? Because that that's the thing is I've already given up hope and, and not like I was the biggest fan of either of these properties, but there are certainly things that were coming out. Uh, Scarlet was one that I really liked the first issue of by Bendis. I don't remember if it was Alex Maleev, but it was it was very good. And that first issue came out and then there was nothing to follow it up. It was supposed to be an ongoing series or at least a mini series. No, it, it turned into a one shot because they never went to the next one. And that, I don't know if that's the culture of Marvel or if that's the culture of Bendis. Yeah. But it's 
it it's hard not to see that Marvel has has definitely allowed that to happen, and maybe there's different expectations going over to DC. I don't know, but you kind of already burned me once, and so I'm not jumping up and down for these properties because it it's until I see that the stuff actually is coming out. It's it's the same thing I've said about some some of the things like the Gambit movie. It's vaporware. It's vaporware <laughs> until we see something. Because yeah. all you're doing right now is is talking out your ass, and and I am sick of chewing on your farts. Yeah, try to blow smoke up bars. And you telling me it's roast beast. Uh, it just it, you can't cancel a book if it's just been if it's being taken to another publisher. Yeah, but you can't publish a book if you didn't fucking write it. Uh, Schrodinger's asshole. I, I just like... <laughs> so the other side of this though is because that's you know that's sort of the big the news with that is he's moving his jinx world stuff to another publisher um in a similar way to um like he, he could be taking over to, to dc since he has that deal similar to uh how kurt uh Busiek brought astro city from image comics to wildstorm and then to vertigo so i mean yeah that's Astro City started out as part of the homage line, which was at at Wildstorm. It was a imprint that he did, and uh, I want to say Terry Moore was was publishing Strangers in Paradise through that for a while. He pulled it from Abstract over to Homage and was doing it in color, and then realized that was not the right move, and then uh, moved it back to Abstract Studios again. Uh, there was probably another homage series that I cannot recall right now, but Busick and uh, Brent Anderson and of course the the cover artist Alex Ross, they they were a hundred percent dedicated to doing Astro City. Now, there's certainly been times where it's lapsed, usually because of uh, Busick's had several bouts of really bad health problems. Yeah. But for the most part, this book has continued to truck on and and they finish a storyline and if they need to give themselves a break, they give themselves a break. But you never feel like you're not going to get a conclusion from Astro City. And and when Wildstorm got sold to DC, it was kind of one of those things of like, is this a property that DC gets? Because it's Busick's own ownership or it's it's the the trio's ownership. And they decided, yeah, we'll we'll publish it to DC, and DC is kind enough to give it at home, which is great, because it would be a terrible world if Astro City wasn't in it. It is a a lovely and brilliant book. I also say that as a as a person who's kind of friends with Brent Anderson, <laughs> but so I was already a fan of the book before I met Brent. I worry if Bendis feels like. He's going to go over to DC and do the same things he was allowed to do at Marvel. And at Marvel, he was kind of the top guy. He was the top writer. He was one of their primary engineers, primary. He got to work on like, oh, I I think I'd like to write Spider-Man for for a good long time. Sure. Uh, Now I'd like to write X-Men. Okay, let's see how you can fuck that up. Of course, I'm going to do a half dozen Avengers books. Yeah, you know, fuck it. They're tanked. Do what you need to do. I, that's that's all well and good, you know. When you're when you're the top, you can get away with stuff, and you can say, "Oh, we should we should do something so I can do my my own stuff, you know, my creator own yeah. stuff." And and you guys used to do that with Eclipse, but you don't have Eclipse anymore. Oh, we'll create a new line for you and Mark because you guys have have done so well for us. 
And then they just didn't give a shit. It, that's really how it felt. Mark, yeah. at least his stuff eventually came out by the time he had sold the rights to, to it being a movie and you were seeing the film was about to come out. He's like, wow, we should probably finish this shit up so that we have the ability to sell a trade uh, at the same time. The people are sending line, the movie tickets going, what the fuck is kick-ass? Why am I here? Oh, there's a comic based on this. Sure. I'll, I'll look at that. Uh, <laughs> all that aside, I just, I hope that editorial is, is going to be better about keeping, these people in line if you're if you're getting people from this other company don't let their bad habits come with them there has to be something in place to say and and dc's worked really hard to make sure that their stuff is coming out on time they don't always make all their deadlines but they've made huge strides towards that and sometimes like a marvel event it, it loses something when they have to put multiple artists on a book and you're looking for consistency of art as opposed to no, I need this out in four weeks. It's like, give it six weeks so I can at least have in my trade collection, the whole story looks right and I don't have to switch from here's Superman looking uh, hyper-realistic in one panel and then the next panel, he looks like he straddled a fucking Gumby cartoon. Yeah. I, 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 want, I want the book to look good. Mm-hmm. What's the final project? Yeah, so the other, the other bit of Bendis news is Something that we hit on last week with the uh, um, with our elsewhere's about Bendis going to DC um, was, and this is some, what someone asked him on his Tumblr. Uh, Father Jerusalem asked, "So, with the jump, with you jumping over to DC, what's going to to happen to Jessica and, or Miles and Jessica? I'm really worried right now because I like Miles a lot." And Jessica is, in my opinion, the best new character created in comics in the past 25 years. And Bendis' response is actually pretty great here. Um, He says, most of my questions is a version of this lovely question. Let me answer this with a big fear not. Though I will relinquish control next month, I have been assured by my friends at Marvel that Miles, Riri, Jessica, and all the satellite characters around them will continue in fine Marvel fashion. That's setting up Corey for something, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Truth, and the other part is that even if he didn't have this deal, he was going to be leaving Jessica Jones after the uh, Purple Man uh, story anyways that he was doing. And he has already found the replacement. And in his words, this is a direct quote, she is amazing. He's not going to be updating any, us on any of the stuff for Marvel's plans here since it is theirs to announce and not his. So you hit on this last week because I believe we did some predictions on who we, we would want to see take over. So who do you think's taking over the Jessica Jones book? I, I still feel like Becky Cloonan it makes the most sense to me if it's someone that's already at Marvel, not because the other female Marvel re- creators couldn't be capable it's just that this if i'm going off of what their work is right now who would i see make that step and everyone go well yeah that that just makes sense she is my pick she and she just finished you know her run on punisher yeah you know so so i mean she's totally it, it would make a great deal of sense to see that happen also it when he says that the characters will continue on in fine Marvel fashion, that 
makes absolute sense because Marvel is an IP farm in in the same regards as DC is in the same regards as as most comic book companies are these days. These they create these characters. They don't want the characters to slip into obscurity, although they're doing you know shit with Fantastic Four right now, but. That's because the guy in charge of the company is on a fucking power trip with with Fox. And they always have the option to kill the character and then bring him back in six months like they do uh, with with all their other IPs. Unless they are Professor Xavier or the old Cyclops or the old Wolverine because it's been longer than six months or the old Jean Grey because it's been longer than six months. Although who are coming back right now, the old Wolverine and the old Jean Grey. Yeah. And and it's it's not like there are six other Jean Greys and a hundred billion other Wolverines and a couple dozen Cyclopses. And uh, you know what? There's enough bald people around in the world. You could just have Moon Dragon sit in Charlie's chair and that'd be fine. <laughs> so honestly, I'm pretty excited for this. I mean, it's one of the things like I look at this and it's the comic book industry, I feel like it's not one of these things that it's like like the old like the 90s east coast west coast rap battle like <laughs> <laughs> like bendis just you know went from the east coast and i was joined the west coast and then you know pretty soon we're gonna find him you know shot in a limousine or whatever like, like tupac was <laughs> no he's gotta um, be biggie right i mean it's bendis yeah. he's gotta be biggie yeah uh tupac is definitely uh mark miller it, it just <laughs> just makes sense what I was good with that is they're more, you know, they're all still friends and all this. You know, there are a couple of writers who work in both camps and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's always been a friendly rivalry. I think, I think in the late 90s, when Jemis was in charge at Marvel, he maybe took the rivalry to a little bit of a further point and because Jemis is such a prick, but or or was playing one so well. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to tell the difference sometimes, uh, says the guy who's an asshole on the Internet every week. <laughs> I it, it's different now because it used to be that Marvel and DC were in the same city. And it's just that since DC's moved out to the coast, like it was fucking diehard, that it it now kind of requires you to uproot yourself to go from one company to the other. Not as much if you're a writer, but but when there was the bullpen aspect of it, it was like, oh, I'm going to go work at, at Marvel. Okay, well, that means you got to take a cab in a different direction in the morning than what you did before. And then a few years ago when DC moved out to to be closer to Hollywood, uh, for their properties, they seriously made people move across the country. If you want to be a part of this, you've got to uproot and come out here to to still be a part of of DC Comics, and that was a huge stinking deal. And I have to wonder if that's something that's a part of this. Yeah. So let's we're we're going to switch gears here on this final story. Still sticking with comics, but f- focusing not on the writers on the heads speaking of, of making moves yeah marvel has a has named a new editor-in-chief and his name is cb sabolsky uh, he is replacing exo alonzo who has served as in that role since 2011 and is leaving marvel 
oh wow he lives in shanghai i just saw that on the article there's a quote here he says it's crazy it's an honor i'm blown away by the opportunity mr sabolsky said in a telephone interview from his home in shanghai he said he wants to foster talent at each step of a creative of creating a comic we always hear about the writers and artists but people forget the inkers and the colorists and the letters he said each of them is an artist in their own right but yeah, so he joined in 2002 as an associate editor, and then in 2011, he became the vice president of international brand management for the company, and actually one of his first roles, do you know what his, one of his first roles is? Uh, you probably read and looked at the article, so you already know. Well, I knew, actually. Uh, he yeah. he was one of the people who brought uh, the runaways. I think he might have been maybe chief of the tsunami line that runaways was a part of. There was a couple of interesting books from Tsunami, including uh, Sentinel, which is about a kid who found an old Sentinel robot and it became kind of an Iron Giant type of book. Uh, there was a oh. Human Torch book. There was a Emma Frost book, I think before they hooked her up with Cyclops. There was a couple other ones and probably Namor. But Runaways was easily considered the breakout hit, much like Hitman was yeah. the only thing that came out of the crossover that I can't remember the name of it, but it was just so fucking bad. And, <laughs> uh, but we got Hitman out of it. Yeah. What, and, and all, all props to Sobolski for, for getting this, this position. That's great. What is interesting is the, a, a week after finding out that Bendis is leaving Marvel is that we find out Axel Alonso is, leaving Marvel and leaving his position of editor in chief. That's huge. Yeah. And certainly the, the views of Marvel right now is that it's going through an extremely challenging time and they've been trying to get back to something with Marvel legacy. And I don't think it's stuck yet. But the the last several years, uh, a, a big complaint, not one that I necessarily agree with, is that it's been all of these characters are no longer themselves. So you don't have Steve as Captain America. You've had Sam, Falcon. You don't have Tony as Iron Man. You have Doctor Doom and Riri Williams. You don't have Thor as Thor. You have Jane Foster as Thor, and, and Thor is considered Odinson. And and it's some people have felt that it's gone too much in the gender and race swapping and not understanding that stories can actually happen organically. And these things can be like, oh, yeah, well, no, it just this is something we wanted to do with the story. But it was conspicuous that all of these things were happening at around the same time and yeah. that they followed up the changing of Peter Parker to the Miles Morales character in the Ultimate Universe. And it's like, oh, Bendis just got rid of that world Spider-Man, replaced him with a completely different character that is obviously a different race, and, and it's taken off really well for us. Well, then let's change all of these characters. But Marvel's done this before. It's just that when they did it in the 90s, it was still a bunch of, of other white guys for the most part. It was, it was Rhodey as War Machine, but... Other than that, we had Thunderstrike in the place of Thor, white guy. We had U.S. Patriot or, or U.S. Agent as yeah. Captain America, white guy. DC had replaced Bruce Wayne. 
and Clark Kent in their roles. Uh, they replaced Wonder Woman with Artemis. It was a big thing that happened at that point, but it was always in the plan of like, but we're going to get back to these these main characters again. When Marvel brought back their Steve Rogers character as Cap, they said, oh, by the way, it also turns out that he's been a Nazi uh, the entire time. And it, it it was a story that was just done so well with the clone saga that they had to do it over again. Which, which hey, I, I like that story, to be honest. I mean, the whole... Because it made you it made you think like, are they retconning seventy five years of history for this, or is it what it ended up being that this is a separate entity, a separate creation, you know that just sort of took over from the cap that we know and love, and it's it's yeah. leading it's it's led honestly to you know with, with a recommendation I would give right now of. You know, if you look at the Captain America 695, uh, the reboot done by Mark Wade and uh, Chris Samney, it's a great book. Yeah, but it's it's a great book and a great series that's starting that's starring Steve again. A lot of people feel like it's the band aid on the festering wound that has been Marvel for the last several years, because one of the problems is you take. You, you put these new characters in these roles and that's one thing, but then you're also taking the other characters that people like away at the same time. And it it's not a legacy character, it's a replacement character. And on top of that, we're at a point where Marvel's films are hugely popular. And so we're going into the movie theaters and we're seeing Steve Rogers and Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and all of these characters up on the screen. And you go in a comic shop and those characters aren't anywhere. So I don't believe that anything that Marvel has done in this has been creatively bad. But I I do agree that fans were pissed off and that they had to look at how to get those fans back. But I don't know that they've figured out how to do that yet because even in these, these legacy numberings and stuff, Thor is supposed to be back but then didn't really come back. Or or a bunch of other stuff. It's it's just so I don't know that it's it's quite working. And a lot of people have been screaming for the head of Axel Alonso saying he needs to be gone, that he has kind of led Marvel Comics down a bad road for the last six years. And when when it was announced that he was gone, there was a huge wave of excitement. I don't like seeing somebody lose their job if i if he chose to leave and he felt like i've done everything i can at marvel and i'd like to go see what other opportunities great uh i'm not seeing looking to see anybody get fired but it definitely feels like the timing was yeah legacy didn't work out on top of all these other things that didn't really work out and we need to make some serious changes right now yeah you hit on you know everything there basically um i'm excited for this just because you know with the things that i've seen in the article you know it does sound like cb is going to do you know you know is going to do really good you know it sounds like he understands characters and and, you know even putting the focus on everyone involved with the book not just you know the writer and the artist because to be honest i can only tell you one one editor at the book who is not editor-in-chief actually no uh or you know a head editor and that's oh god i'm blanking on her name now uh santa she does she's the editor for miss marvel 
um, because she's been in the news and all that with, you know, the fact that we have Miss Marvel, who is, you know, a Muslim American woman uh, or a teenage girl in, in the world we live in now and stuff like that. And uh, so it's one of those things like you don't see that with the X-Men books or with the Spider-Man books or the Guardians of the Galaxy books. Like where it's like, oh, yeah, that's this editor. Oh, that's great. And all that. it's like, but with her, it's, yeah, the Kamala Khan. But I was thinking of the who the editor is. It's Sana something. I'm, I'm blanking on her last name. I do want to say that, you know, I don't know how much of a part he really played in it, but it was under Axel being the editor-in-chief that we got the Kamala Khan character. So yeah. that right there, to me, is a huge accomplishment and one of those things that you have in your belt and you go, yeah, well, I was I was in charge of Marvel when we got the new Miss Marvel, and that yeah. character is fantastic. You want to know who else is fantastic? Brian Jensen. He is our newest Patreon partner. He he went to gncast.com slash support and clicked that link to our Patreon and donated money. He donates money to us now every month. He joins Growly Bear. He joins, um, I think there's a couple other people who join us or who support us monthly. He, he jumped in. He supported us. Do it too. Be like him. Be like Growly. Because I'm pretty sure Growly only paid for one mention, and now I think this is the sixth straight mention we've we've given him. Well, we mention you know, Growly all the time, anyways, because he's he's part of the show. Let, yeah. Let's face it, Growly is is here more than I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but absolutely, it, hey, it, 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 there, there's no limit to how much or how little uh, you can support the show. And 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 you're if you're a listener, you're a supporter of of the Galact Network. If you're Someone who who likes a Facebook page and just interacts with us on there. If you're a person who who went and joined up and and jumped into our Slack, you're 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 a friend of the show. You're important to the show and, and important to the network. And if you want to support on the Patreon, I can only do it one month. That, that's still that has a lot of value to us. We we appreciate any and all of that. Uh, so it's not a oh yeah, it it only matters to us if you do it at this level for this long and everything. No, that's not what it's about. We're happy to have any kind of support that you can lend us. Yes. So the other part that we should probably mention is uh, we, we dropped to keep the videos on YouTube. We dropped the ads on YouTube. You know, so no, because YouTube's having bunch of fun with their algorithms and a, please don't shut us down. Please don't shut us down. Um, I, I as I say this, I'm like, wait a minute, we're on there now. But so here's our plea: help Dave lose less money for this, because he's basically paying out of pocket to keep, you know, to keep the web, the WordPress going, to keep the domain under our control, um, the email, all this stuff. He's, you know, he's paying out of his pocket, and yes, he does have the fancy radio job. But here, we 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 could still use help gncast.com slash support the way you can help the show out in particular is by filling out our survey at bit.ly slash en survey 2017 that's capital e capital n capital s and then survey 2017 um the numbers there so those are those are the ways you can help us out and i thank you and we're back and we are talking about, you know, basically this is the LSPUs is part of the show where we talk about anything that is on our on our minds, you know, whether it be movies, TV shows, video games, music, whatever it is. Um, so 
I'm going to do one, and then Corey's going to do his, and I'm going to do my other one, because I'm technically cheating by doing two, but they're related. And the, Gregor, some, at this point in time, we all know you're going to do two. I, well, I, I don't do two that often. I don't oh, okay. <laughs> um, but no, so the first one is because this is, you know, I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan, as y'all know, but uh, we had a big pay-per-view event with the co-branded WWE Survivor Series that happened last night. But I'm going to save that for after Corey because I want to talk NXT War Games. This is their takeover thing. Basically, NXT is the, think of it like the minor leagues for for the WWE. Um, and they do pay-per-views every time there is a co-branded pay-per-view. So Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and WrestleMania are when they do their takeover events. This one was branded War Games. And so with this, you had the the brilliance of the fact that they brought back a match, the War Games match, that hasn't been in that hadn't been in existence in twenty years, I believe is what they said it was. So what the War Games match is, is they have two rings in the arena. And they start the match. And no, Matthew Broderick was not the judge. They had three three-man teams start, start involved with this match. One member from each team starts in the ring. And then after five minutes, one team gets to the other two members of one team get to come in. Then three minutes, another team comes in, and then another three minutes, the final team comes in. And the interesting part of this is the match doesn't end until all three teams are in the ring. So you have this interesting concept of you have 11 minutes until a pinfall can happen in here. And then once this happens, there's a cage around both, uh, about, around both rings as well. And so once this is done, but if they escape the cage, they are, their team is eliminated. But so it's, it's a really interesting idea, and it was a really interesting premise. I was curious to see how they were going to do everything and it did not end in a game of tic-tac-toe. It ended in a game of one dude doing a superplex off the top of a cage onto everyone, um, which I saw, and I'm like, and he's dead. Um, because it was one of those big spots where I'm just like, oh, wow, he's up there pretty high, and okay, okay, someone didn't catch him sort of thing. <laughs> like Someone, someone didn't, didn't make him watch the video of Owen Hart apparently well no owen hart okay so the owen hart one was he he hit his chin on the rope that's what did it and all that and um, way, i'm not trying to make i i, I am no. trying to make a little light of it but it, it's it's a horrible horrible yeah thing that have happened that honestly yeah because that especially for these like what they were trying to do with the stunt of that like it would have been cool had they used the proper equipment, and I'm pretty sure someone got fired. At least yeah. one person during that. But anyways, back to War Games, because they had a whole bunch of other matches in there, too. They crowned a new women's champion because the former women's champion was injured and ended her, oh, uh, what was it? It was almost two years in NXT undefeated, which you I, you haven't really seen since Goldberg back in the 90s where he came into WCW and was and went about three years, I think, undefeated. 
And uh, no, British Bulldog didn't die the, the same way Owen Hart did, uh, Growly. British Bulldog, I believe it was a um, it was a drug overdose or something, but I could I could be completely wrong. But and then you had the um, NXT Championship match. Basically, I've I've said this before with other takeovers. This one almost outshined WWE Survivor Series. It had great matches through and through, and I enjoyed every single one of them. The only my only gripe is that NXT doesn't get to do more pay-per-views, doesn't get to do more of these takeover events because it gets a lot more people involved that way. Um, And uh, B actually posted that uh, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, died of a heart attack um, while on vacation in British Columbia. With, With it appearing to be caused from years of using steroids. Yeah, that's one of the things that we're starting to see nowadays with a lot of the wrestlers from the 80s and 90s is steroids are playing a big factor if they used a lot of steroids in there. Um, like that was, you know, with Eddie Guerrero, um, with him passing, it was because he didn't use a lot of steroids, but he did use some to where that did affect his heart and all that. Um, but anyways, NXT TakeOver War Games was awesome i hope this becomes a yearly thing because they already do the like nxt doesn't have the the gimmick match that the wwe main event has and this is honestly an uninteresting one to do you know you know you br- you're bringing in a classic wcw match but also you're doing you're giving this new blood because you're bringing in these these young guys who are finding new ways to do uh, different spots and to actually make it interesting that the fact that they have two rings side by side for really no reason other than the fact that it's two rings side by side and you don't see that. But yeah, that was WWE or NXT War Games. You can find that on the WWE Network. Corey, punish us with the review of the first three episodes of The Punisher. I... I I'm not going to go so far into it because it is only the first three episodes. Uh, I'm going to start by saying that the Punisher is probably to me one of the least interesting characters in comics. From my point of view, I'm not a fan of the... I I think guns is a shitty superpower. But... And and I'm also... I I think I've made it clear several times before, I'm not into mafia mob movie stuff. Like, I've never seen or or could sit through The Godfather. Most Martin Scorsese stuff doesn't do shit for me. But, yeah, uh, Tommy Monaghan from Hitman for the win. Beat says, good point. But under certain creators, I found The Punisher to be, if not just tolerable, actually in some cases interesting and fun. Uh, Garth Ennis writing Punisher, uh, I think in particular Punisher Max at Marvel, was was a hell of a lot of fun. The Thomas Jane Punisher movie, I like the Punisher in that. I, I like some of the character stuff in that, although I hear a lot of people that's the part that they didn't like. John Travolta is just an over-the-top villain, as John Travolta is in pretty much anything he plays a villain. So you got what you paid for. Yeah. After the the second season of Daredevil on Netflix, 
and that the Punisher was a big part of, especially the first half of it, I felt, okay, yeah, I could I could see more from this portrayal. The guy playing him is is the guy who played Shane on The Walking Dead. And he's he's done a John very Barenthal. respectable job. Yeah, John Barenthal. He's done a very respectable job. But I didn't know what this is going to be. If it was going to be the same kind of stuff as the movies, which is the overtop mob mafia stuff. Uh, if it was going to be witnessing his family getting slaughtered at the beginning in an origin story, if it was going to take place before Devil, Daredevil or after Daredevil, it starts out. When I have to say the opening scene of the first episode, which is all the way up until they get into the opening credits for the show, was very very good. It it, it was him finishing off the killing of the people who he felt were responsible for the death of his family, the whole cartel aspect of it. So all the mob stuff is kind of done then, at least so far. Like I said, I'm only three episodes in. It deals more with, it looks like it's going the direction of dealing with the people that he was a part of in his time in the military, which we got a little bit of with Clancy Brown's character again in that season of Daredevil. It is doing flashbacks to that. And we do see his wife when she gets shot. Uh, they they love to show that scene because he keeps waking up to that dream over and over again every day. So it's almost as relentless as seeing Thomas and Martha Wayne get killed in any <laughs> number of Batman movies. But the whole thing seems to really be about ptsd and the trauma of of being at war and of losing people to violence and there's a lot of time spent in what is a support group for different people in the military and we haven't gone too far with that yet but i can see there's a progression that's going to happen with some of the characters from that and and how their storyline is going to expand going along Barenthal is very good in this. It it would be easy to do just the speak in whispers, be the the ultimate tough guy. And he he does that because that is the Punisher character. But they don't overuse it. And and when we first start seeing him trying to live in regular society again, and we know that he really can't, he's working construction, which is a little cliche. And he's got a, a fake identity, but he doesn't talk to anybody. You know, he he's trying to work through his aggression by using a hammer on on walls to tear apart things in this building as they're supposed to be doing it. And he's not making any friends. And it it kind of leads to some conflicts with other people in that. But when you see the breakdown of him like having to deal with them, it wasn't because he was instigating it. It wasn't that he was the one who was being a prick. He was doing everything right, but like just let the bullshit wash over you and just continue on because you know that if you open up on these guys, you're not going to close again. You're not going to let it go for lack of of a better song choice. Maybe he's defying gravity. Uh, I just, I could go either way on The Punisher for the most part of like it could be good it could be bad so far three episodes in it's a very compelling and good show uh great characterization from everybody who i've seen as a part of it there's no weak points there's no frustrations like i had with danny ran and iron fist and and most of the the 
really horrible over the top acting in Iron Fist and the uh, I'm I am the Iron Fist over and over and over again. He's not like walking around with the shirt on saying I'm the Punisher. <laughs> Did a really good job of introducing Micro, who we we if you read the comics know from from his stories and everything, and it's kind of like the I don't need a partner, but this is as close as I get to having one guy. And the development of Micro as a character, I think, is very good. I like the guy playing him a lot. I like his motivations and how he gets the better of Frank when Frank has him kind of like under wraps. He he turns tables on him and proves his worth. And and that's pretty much where I've left off so far in the series. I didn't jump on this on Friday as soon as it started streaming on or late Thursday night. I came into it yesterday because I couldn't finish watching something else that I was in the middle of. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll throw on Punisher and see what it's like. I'm very glad that I did. I, I think it's at a quality that is more of a daredevil Jessica Jones so far. The first half of Luke Cage, which I thought was quite good and and fell apart in the second half. Uh, this seems to and second season of Daredevil, I think, was stronger in the first half, which deals with Punisher than it was in the second half when it dealt with Elektra. I think it's good. I think it's actually very good. Again, three episodes. But uh, I, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. If, if, you're, if you're a person who's watched the Marvel shows, you're already watching this. Uh, you've probably seen further ahead than I have. But Or just... you will be once you finish Stranger Things. Yeah. I haven't even started season two of Stranger Things yet because I know I joked about I can watch it while my wife is away on her vacation. I didn't. I, I'm saving it to be able to watch with her. So it's when we get the time to sit and watch together. Unless she's gone and, and watched it without me because, you know, why wouldn't she? <laughs> but yeah, so um, honestly, I didn't even like I didn't even know the Punisher was out until like that Friday I was going because I, I had this where it's like oh, I was watching two episodes of Stranger Things and I or actually it was like three, th- like three, two, something like that. So I'm about halfway through Stranger Things, which is not what I'm going to be talking about. And I'm like, Punisher. I thought it didn't come out for a couple weeks. Oh, I guess it's out now. It's like, I'll get we're already I'll get more than halfway through November, but they yeah. haven't been advertising it as much because of all the, the different stuff that's been going on in the news. And while there's certainly a good amount of violence, I haven't seen any scenes so far in it that remind me of those stories, other than the fact that it is a person who, you know, again, uh, leads with guns yes but no so uh that is a punisher you can find that on netflix right now my other else view because apparently i do two all the time is the wwe pay-per-view from yesterday wwe survivor series now they they i guess they reformatted it last year to be a sort of a combination of an old pay-per-view that they had called bragging rights which was back when they did the draft the first time with you know Raw and SmackDown, to where it was oh which brand is more is superior, and all that. And so they did it this way with all the matches were champion versus champion. So it was you know the world heavyweight champion from over on SmackDown versus U- the Universal Champion, the tag team champions facing each other, the women's champions facing each other, um, and then the U.S. champion facing the Intercontinental Champion. And then they had the women's uh, five-on-five traditional Survivor Series match, the men's traditional five-on-five Survivor Series match, and a three-on-three tag team matchup of, against of the 
of uh the the three uh three a three-man group on raw called the shield versus a three-man group on smackdown called the new day sorry i had to, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fan of like a lot of the people on here so i had to do it in the way they do it but it's overall this is <laughs> WWE for since i've been watching their pay-per-views since wrestlemania wwe including wrestlemania has had a pattern i like to call it the snl pattern where you get to weekend update and then the sketches start to start to slack off a little bit WWE, you get to the to like they have they usually do like two maybe three big quote-unquote main events you get to the first one they'll throw in this match that everyone's like oh this match sucks you know it's as a calm down before oh my gosh did you see shane mcmahon jump off the hell in a cell or something like that survivor series didn't have that they had you know they started out with the uh shield versus the new day and that match i'm like wow we're going out the gate swinging here i mean this is almost sort of like the new day saying hey we need to be later on in the you know up up higher on the card you know make us a main event sort of deal it was it was interesting how they did this because they had all five uh announcers for both raw and smackdown announcing at the same time which it got a little bit tricky at times because there were times where they were talking over each other but it was but the way they did it was like oh it's heated debate between booker t and uh byron saxton from you know because they're they were brand superior loyalty loyalists and all that stuff Oh no! I enjoyed this pay per view. The weak, some of the weaker points in there are more because I have more personal opinions on some of the wrestlers. Baron Corbin, who I feel like doesn't need to be champion and ha- doesn't have it as great of a gimmick. Same thing with Braun Strowman, um, who it's like, oh, you're big and muscular. You're you're gonna no sell. One of the things I will hit on is the WWE champion versus the Universal champion, Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. Now, Brock Lesnar, since he's come back, I've only liked maybe two of his matches. And it's a lot of it's because he comes across with these matches as I don't have to sell for this person when they're hitting me relentlessly over and over again and they are my size. I'm just going to, you know body slam them you know give them like suplexes and all this stuff and then pin and get out you know earn my money and and then get the get the hell out of dodge this match with aj styles who is significantly smaller like i think brock has about a hundred pounds on him at least it's one of those things that i feel he actually sold this reminded me of his matches with eddie guerrero which were some of my favorite matches of on both guys on both brock and eddie because it was you know the bigger guy fighting a smaller guy and the smaller guy you know sometimes coming on top sometimes getting squashed and you have this really big dynamic where it's not just you know two big muscular guys or two guys the same size beating the shit out of each other it's david and goliath it's you know you know a speedy guy versus you know strength and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, the whole pay-per-view was good. I'm sort of copying out and not doing the beta show that I've been doing on the Elseworlds channel to talk about it here. 
but it's also because I want to talk to certain people and see, hey, you want to do this with me? Um, but anyways, the WWE Survivor Series, you can find that on the WWE Network, and then they announced their next pay-per-view in December is Clash of Champions, which will be a SmackDown-exclusive show. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that, where we will see all the championships defended on the SmackDown brand. So that's it for the Else Views. We will be right back with the Else Words. Do you believe that there's intelligent life somewhere out there? That maybe extraterrestrial beings have already visited the Earth? Are you a fan of movies or TV shows like Star Trek or Alien? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then you may also like the Alien Invasion Podcast. On every episode, we talk about the latest ET-related news, report on a recent sighting, and make some alien-themed entertainment picks. Subscribe, download, and listen from where you get podcasts. Or by going to gncasts.com slash aliens. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash aliens. And we are back, and it is time for the else words. And this is the main big discussion topic of the show. One that I'm reluctant to talk about because if I you thought seen... we were wordy before, Lord <laughs> knows we we're holding back. Because wait, do you hear this shit? Yeah. So basically, Justice League came out this past Friday, and I have not seen it. Corey has only seen half of it. We will not go into any further details on that because. Um, we like being free, <laughs> and, but, but that there right no... there should should be a a quick point of we didn't see it. Did yeah. you? Because it it seems as though maybe not many of you did. What's up with that? Yeah. So here's here's the thing: Justice League this weekend for its opening box office is the lowest box office to happen or for a dc movie in you know, the current in the dc world. extended universe yeah in the in the current dceu that they have it's made just shy of 94 million it was um, actually it they they gave out a conservative conservative estimate of what they thought it was going to hit that was lower than what people had originally thought of uh i think about 96 million and then it turned out that it made less than that yeah uh, and that's worrisome right yeah no yeah so i mean if you look at just the um opening weekend side of things um which i i come of the mindset that i'm a little less concerned with opening weekend because of the fact that like like we have uh, beat put out a chart or put out in our show notes here, um you know starting with Man of Steel made um, opening weekend 116.6 million dollars that weekend uh, for the domestic total it did 291 uh, million dollars uh, Batman vs Superman which is the highest one did 166 um and a domestic total of th- of three 330 mil- uh, million. Suicide Squad, which came out like a month after or something like that, did 133, uh, 133.6 uh, opening. And then the box or domestic total was 325 
um wonder woman which ended you know barely broke the 100 million for opening week i did 103.2 mil but it did the biggest growth of you know 420 or 412.5 million dollars for a domestic total right. i look at this it, so it's it's sort of one of these things like initial fan reactions is one thing to look at with these movies where it's like yeah that part is going down but i'm still cautiously optimistic about these because of the fact that we're seeing from you know since you could almost put it into two well hopefully because we'll, we won't know until you know a couple months from now when the domestic totals are finished but you look at there's you know this nice little stays about here you know like, re, like right around 300 mil for the first three movies and then wonder woman comes out and it's like well it's gonna go up and all that stuff well so wonder I, woman is uh, obviously showed that she had legs uh but on top of that wonder woman wonder woman came out and had a different audience reaction and part of that was the fact of of what wonder woman is you know it she is the most well-known and popular female character in all of comics uh i don't think i'm i'm stepping on any other character's toes by saying that It, it as as much as we could say it would it, storm is up there uh black widow having exposure in the films and everything it, it could be up there supergirl but supergirl is not as popular as wonder woman not as well known as wonder woman because for the most part they just see oh it's it's superman as a girl uh wonder woman is her own thing and also gal gadot did a phenomenal job as the character she was considered probably the high point of Batman v Superman by the people who who did and didn't enjoy that movie. On top of that, Patty Jenkins made a very good film. And Wonder Woman's score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not what you should base your enjoyment off of, but from both critics and fans, was very high. Now, critics... As far as Justice League, I think it's sitting at around maybe just under 40% right now. Fans are closer into the 85% range. Oh, apparently Beat says, yeah, JLA 40%, all critics 28%. I don't know what that was. But yeah, yeah so 40%. For, yeah, for, for Justice League, 40% of all critics liked it. 28% of the top critics liked it. Or, or it's getting 40% of from all critics. 28 from the top critics and then but it is scoring 85 in the audience score right so the people who have seen it the 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 fans have enjoyed it but you've got to keep in mind that those are fans who went to see it meaning that they probably enjoyed batman v superman they probably enjoyed man of steel uh they maybe even somehow summed up the courage to enjoy suicide squad i i don't know but this is, as much as you want to paint it as this is DC's version of the Avengers, it is also realistically, most realistically, the third in a trilogy of Zack Snyder's Superman film. 
uh, it went Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and then Justice League. And while not to give too many spoilers away, Superman's not really much in this. It is a continuation of the story that he started, those other two films. So if you were a person who was already not enamored of those first two movies, or, or a lot of people I've seen like Man of Steel and didn't like Batman v Superman, which is just odd. Uh, I had major problems with both. What was going to bring you back to this? Other, other than the fact that it was a Justice League film, you were being promised a Justice League film, it was still a film starring characters portrayed by the same actors and under the direction, for the most part, of the same person who'd done those movies before. So if you already knew that that stuff wasn't your thing, what could this do to win you over? They made a really good trailer. The trailer seems to focus on a lot of the comedy aspects that people are assuming, and, and maybe rightfully so, that Joss Whedon brought to the movie when he did reshoots after Zach had to leave the film because of, of family issues, which we've discussed in episodes before. It still looked like the same movie to me. It looked like it was filmed in the same way, the effects used the same way. It was just as dark looking as what had previously existed. Uh, Steppenwolf as a villain from what I've seen of the film, is a giant throwing punches guy that's all done with heavy effects like Doomsday was before. And and like, uh, frankly, the the portion of Wonder Woman that I really didn't like, the ending with the, the Ares character in that, it seemed very similar. Seemed kind of similar to the giant thing that Enchantress conjures up in Suicide Squad to to fight at the end. It, it it seems to be that this is what they keep doing is, yeah, we need them all to fight something. Here's this giant creature type thing to, to all go up against. I, I'm really tired of that. I, I think as much as we've, we've talked about the Marvel Universe has a villain's problem and has had a villain's problem for a long time that they've only solved with Loki and uh, recently Hela. Yeah. DC's got it worse. In the, yeah. the four films they've had is so far, they've got it worse. I think Zod is probably their best villain, and I'm not a big fan of, of that movie, but at least there were motivations to what he was doing. Well, and, and, and even then, they went and bastardized him by making him this weird version of Doomsday. Right. Well, yeah, which has nothing to do with Zod. It was just they had to come up with some way to make it, and the whole thing of that was ridiculous anyways. I wanted this movie to be the turning point. You know, and and to me for my tastes it is necessary for DC to have a turning point in these films. While Wonder Woman some people could say is it was a different director. It was a solo film for this character and and she frankly did well better on her own. And and gets a different audience on her own. I think there are a lot of women who will go and see a Wonder Woman movie that aren't necessarily then lining up to go see Wonder Woman in a Justice League movie. But isn't that going to be something that maybe DC needs to take into account? Because they certainly of, should. Yeah, because of the fact, like, again, I, I hate doing this, comparing them to Marvel, 
but it's sort of like you know beat has all these different numbers in here you know with other movies that opened other superhero movies that opened in 2017 um and others you know pre 2017 and all that but you look at and even then like there's some interesting numbers in here like logan only made eight or 88 million dollars its opening weekend and stuff like logan that Logan was a the third in what was again previously two terrible wolverine movies yeah. and was an r-rated film yeah but it's one of these things that here we always say this you know marvel movies there's all it's always something different because it focuses in on you know for the character and dc really hasn't had this had these movies where it was focusing in on one character you know man of steel yes it was focusing in on superman but then it sort of went away with you know batman versus superman you're focusing on both of them you're focusing in on on Lex Luthor. I wouldn't say it focused on both of them. <laughs> it it well, had almost nothing to do with Superman. <laughs> well, it's, but yeah, you know, true. But I mean, it's, it was one of these things like it wasn't strictly a, so, just a Batman movie. There were parts that. I felt like it was a rush to. It, Zack Snyder seems to like giant spectacles. And, yeah. and I don't mean glasses. I mean, he likes to get to that giant moment. Uh, on the screen and it's it's not the storytelling for him it's the visual effect and and i yeah. i don't say that to slam him that's not my taste in film but it certainly works for a lot of movies and it's it's gotten him to where he is but if you if you look at sucker punch which some people think is a genius movie i can't make it all the way through it it's not about the story it's about the 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 visual beauty of it and 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 sometimes horrific things happening Watchmen was again stunning to look at a very empty version of it of what is probably the most classic comic of all time. Yeah. Uh 300 looked like it was straight out of the comic. So again, watching it visually fantastic. Not a deep story anyways in the original comic or the film, but I think it did an adequate job of what it was supposed to do. But that's not that's not his his interests so he did a superman movie to then be able to do a superman versus batman movie because he likes the dark knight he just likes it maybe for different reasons than some of us who enjoyed it for the the character conflict and the story not yeah. just because batman beat the shit out of superman because he had a suit that he got to plug into a fucking light socket uh <laughs> and then he he goes from that to justice league it just doesn't feel earned and and this is it's unfair to to put these up against the Marvel movies for where the Marvel movies are now. Mm -hmm. But the Marvel films did something very different, which is they introduced most of the characters on their own. And, and even the, the characters that weren't in their own films were introduced in separate movies before they brought them together for the Avengers. So by the time Avengers happened, we had seen... Tony Stark in two movies. We had seen Thor in his own movie and Hawkeye got to guest star in that. We saw Black Widow in the second Iron Man movie. So we have an understanding of who she is. Uh, we saw Hulk in the Hulk movie, even though it was played by a different actor. And we had seen Captain America's origin. So now the Avengers come together and it's not a ton of backstory. It is a, what do we do with these super powerhouses? Justice League, we're still seeing 
half of these characters essentially for the first time. We saw a moment with Flash in Suicide Squad, but he seemed a lot more established than he does in this movie. In this movie, he seems incredibly unsure. But in Suicide Squad, it seemed like, oh, that's Flash. You know, he, he's been doing this for a while. He's, he's been fighting villains. He's got his rogues already. Uh, so this was a step backwards. Wonder Woman, great. We got an excellent Wonder Woman story, so we knew more about her than we would have if it, she was just the chick who showed up at the end and beat the snout out of Doomsday because the guys don't know what the fuck they're doing. Which itself is okay. But this was uniting people and most of those people we don't know who they are or why they are we don't know the motivations of of arthur as aquaman we don't know the motivations of of cyborg they this is their opportunity to do that but at the same time they also have to introduce an overarching villain and his motivations and then they have to kind of figure out how to bring back the character that they killed in the last movie it it's a lot to try to do and I feel like it was done because they they were trying to play catch up. They wanted to get their Avengers without doing their heroes on their own first. And that's not the only problem I think there is with it. But I do believe that for the most part, what it is, is that people said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. But I'm not coming back for the third time. Yeah, that really like, seems what it is. This is where, like, I, I think the for me the interesting part is yes, looking at the looking at the numbers because you know people speak with, you know, people will speak with their dollars. But it is what beat put in there about the Rotten Tomato scores, where eighty five percent of the audience says you know enjoyed the movie. Now this you know, and so I I will oversimplify and say that maybe. That's twenty percent of that's representing twenty percent of people who actually saw Justice League, who who came home and then put their opinions onto yes. Rotten Tomatoes. That is already a site that has bred controversy with the DC film universe fans because they feel like it's unfair to their movies by posting scores by putting an arbitrary number on something. It's not like that number then forces you to see or not see a movie. Everybody gets the same chance of of being looked at by by critics, and critics are not infallible. So everybody gets the same chance to be listened to or ignored as a critic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, and, it's and, just a fucking number. Yeah, and so I mean, it's one of th these things here. Like I think DC hopefully is going to realize this, and you know, be able to fix this for aquaman which is set to come out uh december 21st 2018 wonder woman which is supposed to come out november 1st 2019 but be beats breaking up an interesting point because it's something that i noticed too is the fact that iron man didn't have any clout made more more money before there was even a, any comic book boom so i mean yeah it, it's it is one of those things that you see that's that's true, and 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 if you have to adjust the the money that it made for today's dollars, that would be an even bigger deal. But also, Iron Man wasn't competing with. How many other superhero movies have we had this year? We're now in November, and yeah. and most of our films, our big tentpole films for the year, are things that are at least somewhat similar, in in what they're they're starting from is Thor. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, 
uh, Logan, we've had so many, and, and that's just this year, you know, you go into what we bled over from last year. It's not like this is our only chance to see a superhero up on the big screen, like when Iron Man came out. And we had had movies before, but it was still a big deal. It was still an unusual thing to have happen to see this, especially like Robert Downey Jr. is playing Iron Man. And it looks really cool. And and we had no idea what we were in for. But I agree that the 85% rating is just as, as colored as the, the critic rating because it's the people who chose to see the movie. So those people went hoping to be entertained and thinking that they would be entertained. And you can say that it, it's, it's not fair that the people who didn't go to see it, maybe they would have liked it if they saw it. Well, maybe they would have, but they chose not to. They, they had already decided that that's not going to be something for them. Now, maybe they didn't want to see it opening weekend. And that can be a case. And, and certainly Wonder Woman performed better long term than she did. She wasn't, she was 10,000 above, or sorry, 10 million above what this was on opening day. But it was the, the long game for Wonder Woman that made her stand apart from all the other DC Extended Universe films. Maybe there's a long game for Justice League. Maybe there's not. The The problem is, is that next week, Coco comes out. Yeah. And uh, the week after that, isn't it? Are we at Star Wars at that point? Or is that still three weeks away? I think it's three weeks. I know that there's some there's some other stuff coming out that is going to be roughly competitive to this. But this is out when Thor is out, too. And yeah. I don't think Thor is is dying now that this has happened. Uh, yeah, so twelve fifteen. So that's three weeks away. There was something else I think that's coming out in two weeks that is going to be like a, a good steal away from this. But yeah, that I don't know how to say if this was oh, Shape of Water. I don't know if Shape of Water is going to be a big hit. It looks great though. I don't know how to say if this is a fluke. Uh, if it's just the first weekend, but then people are going to pick up on it. I know that from my perspective, it having already been disappointed in the first two Zack Snyder, Superman slash Batman movies, it wasn't really something that I was expecting a lot from. And and that's another thing too. I see a lot of people saying, hey, this movie is actually pretty good. Uh, much in the way that the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that came out was a much better representation of the characters than the first one was. But by that time, people already decided that they didn't give a shit because the first one was so bad, it turned them off to it. And so they don't see that they made improvements. You, you Sometimes you only get the one chance to make a first impression. So uh, put on your secret deodorant. I don't remember who the sponsor of that is. Uh, <laughs> it really could be. And and when you see the behind the scenes stuff of Ben Affleck kind of a, has gone back and forth of, oh, I'm going to keep playing Batman. Oh, I'm probably not going to keep playing Batman. Oh, wouldn't it be great if I played Batman longer? But I'm going to figure out a way to make a, a tasteful exit. I wonder what the extended universe counts for for dc after this because unfortunately no no real fault of his own kale hasn't had a big win as superman yet 
and and again, I put more of that on the director writers than I do on him, but it it doesn't bode well for him. Affleck saying that he may or may not play Batman in a solo film, and then that would mean probably not for another Justice League film. That doesn't bode well for him. I can't see replacing Gal Gadot anytime soon as Wonder Woman because she's fantastic. I like Ezra Miller a lot. I think he could do a lot of fun stuff with Flash, but they haven't been able to figure out how to make that fucking movie work yet. And they keep changing writers and directors for it. This is not going to make anybody jump up and down and say, oh, I need to do this. Aquaman is already done. So that film is going to be what it is. I think you showed Jason Momoa without a shirt on and enough posters. You might get some of the same audience that Wonder Woman had. But we have to see if it's going to be good or not. At least it's a different director. And so they get to focus on Aquaman being a different kind of movie than what this is. But I do wonder if Aquaman succeeds or not. I could see we get a trilogy of Wonder Woman movies and we maybe get some other DC movies, but I don't know if we get a cohesive DC universe in the long term because we already have to close off our minds to Batman being played by a different person and then possibly after that, Superman being played by a different person. And if they don't have any faith because the character was already kind of like the biggest crapshoot in this of what is it like for Cyborg, who was at one point supposed to be on the list of getting his own separate movie? Nobody's talked about that since they put out that giant list years ago. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's part of probably the one biggest thing I th- that I could think of that is the problem when it comes to DC when they did their thing of let's announce movies up until 2020. Let's show everybody that that we're doing what Marvel's doing. We can do it, too. I don't know that they've shown that they can. Yeah, and Beats Beats mentioning the whole thing. I'm assuming he's joking, but Cavill didn't even care to shave his mustache. He contractually couldn't shave his mustache because, or during the reshoots because of another another movie where he needed the mustache. But I'm going to say, when the movie opens up, there are flashback scenes that are obvious reshoots of of Cavill as Superman, and it looks eerie how he's edited. He he looks like like the elves in Thor two, the in the dark elves, where it's just so obviously computer generated and not well. Yeah, it, it it's like watching a cutscene from the Injustice video game. Okay. Instead of looking at Henry Cavill up on screen as Superman, as we've seen him play twice before, it is rank in how bad it is and how much it cheapens that scene at the beginning of the movie. The start of the movie is basically saying, hey, uh, you're going to have to suspend a lot of fucking disbelief in this film because uh, whether or not you believe a man can fly, you're going to also wonder if he has a fucking upper lip. Uh, it's just so weird. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly, on that whole the whole mustache thing, I'm like, I'm of that mindset of whatever, you know. Because I mean, if we, because it, it, it's one of those things like, okay, I, it makes sense to me because you know, I would, I would much rather as, you know, me if I have a part where it's in one scene or in in one movie, I have to be clean shaven. 
but then but i'm only doing reshoots on that so i've done most of the stuff i'm just you know little tweaks here and there and, but i'm currently working on a film where i have to have you know a full mustache i sweat a lot so maybe he, maybe he's just a heavy sweater too to where the glue that they would have to put to paste on a mustache it wouldn't work or you end up you know like like on uh, jimmy fallon where you know he's got the mustache over here dangling and the shoes they gotta go cut reset the mustache you know and all that stuff and then they go action i always go back to rosie o'donnell telling the story in her stand-up of when she worked on exit to eden which was a movie about a bunch of people at a basically a bondage camp and uh, she's in it and she had lost a lot of weight because she's walking around in a leather bustier for most of the movie and then she said okay fine and and she does the film and everything Dan Aykroyd's in there and then they call her back for reshoots later on because they want to funny it up they want to add some scenes and and it's going to feature her and and Dan Aykroyd more and she's like but you don't understand I lost weight to be in this movie and now I'm back to my normal weight it it it's going to look weird and they're like no no it's fine no one's going to notice she's like watch the fucking movie because <laughs> I, I walk into the door 140 pounds and come out the door 180 pounds. I walk back into the door 140 pounds again. It, it, and it's, it's absolutely true. And it's in no way horrible, but it is noticeable. And you feel like that's a, that's a little hole in the wall comedy movie based off of a, of a, oh shit, an Anne Rice book, actually. This is the fucking Justice League. Yeah. And so if you, can't get the quality and and the commitment of the actors and i know it's not cable's fault but if you can't make this shit fucking happen the right way and if you start your movie with that much of a blatant fuck up you've completely demeaned everything else you're trying to put on the screen after that the the only thing i'm going to say about the only other thing i'm going to say about this is and and again, I'm just you know some asshole talking talking out of his ass here. Maybe he was contractually he had to grow the mustache out, like the director or the producers. They wanted a natural looking thing here. Oh and yeah, yes, no, I, I, I'm not I'm not putting that on him at all. I'm yeah. I'm just saying that that's that's the problem though. No, th- this is, is that- more this is more directed at someone who is not talking right now, but is chatting up a storm in our chats. Because he's, you know, he's saying all these things about, like, yeah, CGI is so much cheaper, sure, and, <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm saying, hey, it's not his fault. I don't think it's his fault. I think he was contractually, whether it be the producers, the you know, studio executives, the director, whoever wants a, you know, he his character needs a mustache. So, hmm. <laughs> mustache. Yeah. I just remember. For a long period of time in the 90s, Superman had a fucking mullet. And then to disguise himself as Clark Kent, he not only put on the glasses, but he put his hair up in a ponytail. And it's like, all right, look, I've been buying into the glasses, not glasses thing my entire fucking life. But Superman grows out his hair at the same time as Clark Kent grows out his hair. And and now it's like the, the way that he disguises himself is a fucking scrunchie. No, bullshit. So if if we've got a Superman with a mullet to go back on and not to mention Superman red and blue, 
uh, I could handle a Superman with a fucking Freddie Mercury stash. Uh, I think that would have been just fine. Just fucking let it go. I was dead and my fucking mustache grew out. I haven't had a chance to fucking shave it yet, you assholes. It takes heat vision and <laughs> beer. That's how I shave every fucking day. You can't fucking do this with a Bic. Uh, Dollar Shave Club, <laughs> not going to work on this fucking stash. It's from Krypton. <laughs> well, on that note... Um, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. You can support our sponsor, Harry's Razors, by going to the affiliate link. (laughs) Actually, Harry's, I wouldn't mind if they were, if they were a sponsor. Um, Oh, they're great. Yeah. Or you can go to, uh, you can send us an email, mail at com. All of our subscription options and links can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. And you can find all the social network stuff for the for the network on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff by searching Galactic Netcasts. And you can follow follow us on Twitter at ElseNerds. And you can follow the producers. Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. Uh, Sean Burns is at S. Burns PA. And you can find me at that Gregor. And Corey, where can people find you? You know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this moment to not ask people to find me. I'm going to give a little suggestion. This is not for the faint of heart or those with weak constitutions, but every once in a while, I like to point out that my wife is an artist. Her art is not for everybody. It is very adult themed in nature. It is more than a little disturbing, but I like it because I like her, and she is uh, very talented. If it's not your thing, I'm not saying that it should be your thing. But if you are at all interested in seeing some of the stuff that she's doing right now, she's got some prints up at her new store. Go to store.arthag.com. That's A-R-T-H-A-G.com. And uh, that will take you and you can see some of the prints of some of the artwork that she's done. She's also got some originals available and you can always hit her up for commissions if you want. So, yeah, uh, like me, love my wife. I'm fine with that. Yes, and the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or stash.
For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.